My lord, you played once at the university, you say? Did, did I, my lord, and was accounted a good actor. What did you enact? I did enact Julius Caesar. I was killed in the capital. Brutus killed me. It was a brute part of him to kill so capital a calf there. Are <laughs> the players ready? Aye, my lord. They stay upon your patience. Come either, my dear Hamlet. Sit by me. No, good mother. Here's metal more attractive. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. Hi, I'm David Daw, and I don't think I like Hamlet very much. <laughs> it's been a few years since I confessed to maybe not liking Radiohead that much, and here I am again, hat in hand, to beg your forgiveness for maybe just not being that into Hamlet. You know, I would rather actually do this entire podcast about why you're wrong about Radiohead, except that <laughs> post Hail to the Thief, you're not. Like, they're just not very good anymore. I have really <laughs> concised it down to, I think I just don't like Tom York personally, and Radiohead as a gestalt I think is great, but all the side projects by not Tom York, I kind of like a little bit better than Radiohead. But Anyway, but to Hamlet, there's something else to be <laughs> pretentious about, because let's talk about Hamlet. Yeah. So we watched Laurence Olivier's Hamlet this week, and it is very much Laurence Olivier's whole fucking deal because he stars in it, directs it, probably wrote the fucking music for it. Yeah. And it is the second of our nominees for 1948. And... The best thing I can say about this, really, is that it is not quite three hours long, though it took me four hours to watch it, and it's two and a half hours long. But it did keep me inside during the horrific heat wave that we experienced this week. Uh, yeah, all of the critical complaints about this movie are it cuts too much. And I just think at two and a half hours, this feels much longer than the four-hour Kenneth Branagh version. Like, it just feels so interminable. Partially because everything he cuts is, like, literally every joke in the entire play. Yeah, I'm starting to think Laurence Olivier has no sense of humor. Between his cuts on Henry V yeah. and his cuts on Hamlet, I just don't think the guy thinks anything funny is worthwhile. And partially just because... I think Hamlet is kind of a slog of a play. It's what I was saying way back when in our Romeo and Juliet episode of like, I don't love Romeo and Juliet because it's so easy to fuck up. Hamlet is so easy to fuck up. I'm not sure I've ever seen an entirely successful production of Hamlet. Yeah. And I think also one of the things that really bugged me about this production slash adaptation, I. Uh, is that he states what his intended read of the play was quite literally. Oh yeah, just right off the bat, we're fucking doomed from before the play starts. Yeah, this is the story of a man who could not make up his mind. But no, it's not. it's not. He stabs a guy in <laughs> Act 3. Yeah. This is the origin of that interpretation of Hamlet. And which I, hate I hate it! it. Yeah, because like, yes, there is stuff here for you to sink your teeth into, but to turn the entire play into internal hemming and hawing and uh, I'm struggling so much, everyone look at me struggle, is like 
Well, then there's no reason for fucking Ophelia to be here. There's no reason for anybody to be here. There's no reason for us to not skip to Act 5. Because you're saying that's the only thing that fucking matters. And you're wrong. (laughs) Well, Andy doesn't even pull it off in this movie where he states, this is my thesis of my interpretation of Hamlet. Nope. It doesn't feel like a guy who can't make up his mind. He feels like a guy who is so fucking mopey that I don't give a shit. And I had moments where I was watching this where I thought, you know what would be really interesting is if somebody just fucking played Hamlet as, like, straight up, no questions asked, bipolar. Like, to be or not to be is giddy. And then, oh, that this too, too, so in flesh would melt is, like, full on depressed. Instead of just mopey, low-level depression the whole goddamn time. Uh, What I thought you were going to say, which I also thought constantly, because yes, absolutely, like, let's lean into, there's so many things in Hamlet that I feel are under-examined. Like, what the fuck is the deal with the ghost coming back in Act 3? Because it's really unclear in the text, and everybody kind of just goes with like, eh, mom can't see him, whatever. The thing where Hamlet decides that pretending to be insane is a good plan? No, you're just insane. In a, you have clear mental issues, your dad died less than a month ago, your mom remarried your terrible murderous uncle, you're having a bad time. Yeah, it's been four months, because they say twice two months, but... He keeps saying that it's been, like, a week. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. Like, four months ago is still plenty of time to have totally lost your shit with grief. And on top of it, like, maybe, you know, maybe Hamlet just has a mental health issue, and that's okay. I think that the part where he goes on at the players about how they should do their job is pretty fucking manic. And that's fine. Like, just embrace it instead of dragging ass emotionally through the whole thing. And I fucking hate the way that Laurence Olivier films soliloquies. He did it in Henry V. He did it in this, where it's mostly a close-up of his face with him doing voiceover. And then occasionally he is speaking a line of the soliloquy with his mouth. (laughs) I just hate it. Here is the other thing I want to say uh, that's like my grand thesis statement is that in addition to being responsible for the interpretation of Hamlet as being kind of dithering, which I hate, I feel like Laurence Olivier is responsible for the belief that Hamlet is a part for 46-year-old men at the capstone of their career and not a part for a dude in his fucking 20s that doesn't know what he's doing because that's textually who he is and the part plays a lot better and makes a lot more sense um if you just let hamlet be younger but it is now canonically like the thing you do at the height of your power at the height of your career when you're hitting middle-aged and like hamlet is not a middle-aged man he is a guy in his 20s who is has way too much thrown on his shoulders and like it doesn't fucking make any sense for him to be 40 all the time no and it irritates me um and like it it irritates me so much in this one because it is the worst example of it i've ever seen because hamlet is 20 years older than his mom he's actually 11 (laughs) he was 40 and the actor playing gertrude is 29 
And I think she's actually doing a really good job considering the fact that she's playing opposite someone so much older than her. And a lot of that has to do with she has a very deep voice <laughs> for a woman. And it's great. Like, sure, Gertrude should have that. But holy shit, their whole relationship makes no fucking sense. Like, they're just making out all the time. Yeah, no, this is... Like in front of people! It's insane. Just the fact that he feels like he needs to take the Oedipal overtones and turn them up to 11 when it's maybe three lines in the play that you can really do some Oedipal shit with. Well, you can do a lot of Oedipal shit, but specifically wanting to bang your mom Oedipal shit is, like, not that many lines <laughs> in the play. It was so dispiriting to me, because he's so clearly a better director in a filmic sense. Like, he's... The cinematography is so much better. He has such a better handle on what film can do as a medium than he did with Henry V. Oh, yeah. But the dramaturgy is just so fucking terrible in this Hamlet yeah. <laughs> that it infuriates me. I will say that there are some really nice moments of filmmaking in this, that there are some great crane shots. There are shots that are creative and evocative, and I was really impressed with, and then the acting would start within them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is awful. We complained a lot about the interpretation of Henry V, but even if it was just that level of kind of not getting the play with this level of cinematography, this level of mastery, like, oh, you can really set tone in film in a way you can't on stage. You have so many more tools to set tone. Yeah. And this play sets tone masterfully. It just sets bad tones. Right. <laughs> it's just right. wrong about what the tones are. And if that Henry V had this level of mastery of tone with that level of interpretation of Shakespeare, I think I would have loved it. Uh, I, I, I would have liked it a lot better. Sure, yes. If that Henry V... It still would have been a little bit hollow for all the reasons we talked about for the Henry ad and just the histories in general. But I would have at least felt like, okay, there's a reason to do this because we're able to like set the tone and show the scope in a way that we can't on stage. And this really does set that tone and show the scope in a way you can't on stage. It is just such a honestly bonkers crazy interpretation of Hamlet. <laughs> At first, you're just like, this is such a boring, rote, showy performance. And then in Act 3, it just goes off the rails. Oh, yeah. Once he's stabbing Polonius through the curtain, you're like, what is this? What is even happening right now? Yeah, and there are critics who have said that it has German expressionist influences. And I will absolutely agree that that is true. But interpreted incorrectly. Yeah. Ophelia is so fucking unbelievable as to be like, literally cut Ophelia. Yeah. Which sounds like I'm out of my mind, but it, it would, would be, it would, no, it would be a kindness. <laughs> yeah. Like, not just because her life is just 100% pure misery in this, but because this interpretation 
is just cutophilia. There's nothing for her to do. There's no reason for her to be here. She has no influence on any of the action at all. Her plot function, as near as I can tell, is to just let you know that Hamlet is pretending to be insane and being an absolute asshole to her to be like, Mary Jane can never know I'm Spider-Man. Like, that, that, like <laughs> that's the whole point of Get Thee to a Nunnery, is like, I must torture her so that she can be protected from the grim deeds I must do. And it's like, but then you talk to her another eight times. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, right. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, it's... It, I wouldn't even say that she has any plot relevance at all because I'm not convinced that he's pretending to be mad. In fact, I am less convinced that he is pretending to be insane in this than I have ever been in any adaptation or production of Hamlet I have ever seen. And in that way, I suppose it sort of succeeds, except that it doesn't intend to do that, so it's a grand failure. (laughs) Right. There is no through line to this Hamlet. There is a series of opportunities for Laurence Olivier to walk the line and very often go over the line between acting and overacting. But there is no core character here. No, there's not. He has no relationship to anyone. And the thing is, Hamlet talks a lot. That's that's why the play is four hours long. He has seven... Seven soliloquies? I think that's right, but it's also, I mean, there's so many extant versions of Hamlet that, anyway. I mean, like, in the actual printed play. Oh, in the folio. Yeah. I think there's seven speeches. Then there's a bunch of stuff that he does where he is not doing a soliloquy, but he basically is doing a speech to whoever he is talking to, which, again, I'm saying really supports my bipolar interpretation, but I'm just going to put that there. But he's very, very talkative. And part of what makes him an interesting character, and I think why Brano's version feels so much shorter, despite being an hour and a half longer, is that Brano realizes that Hamlet is charming. That the reason that he gets away with a lot of shit and the reason that mm-hmm. he is getting away with moping about his dad dying, despite the fact that it's been four months, which again, not really long enough for people to be like, get over it, but definitely longer than the week or two that he keeps saying that it it is. The reason that he's getting away with this is because when he's not being mopey and fucking mean, he's funny and charming and kind of (laughs) delightful. Yeah. I mean, like, again, it's all there in the text. Textually, everybody wants this kid to be king. Like, whenever anybody is away from the king, the actual king, and has a chance to talk to Hamlet, they're all like... Ah, your lord father, he was great, you're great, I'm loving it, you would be such a great ruler. And in this, it's like, him? Is he funny or something? Wait, no, we've established he isn't. Literally unfunny. (laughs) In this, you're just like, yeah, I don't know, let him die. There is no sense of what Hamlet would be giving up, or Denmark would be giving up to have Hamlet murder Claudius that there is no sense of why there is an internal struggle there at all right which makes it bonkers that this movie makes you sit around watching him struggle with a decision that should be a goddamn no-brainer like there's a reason in the text for Hamlet to struggle but there's no reason in this film no no this is why Claudius can't be a mustache twirling villain from scene one 
And he is in this. This guy's a shit. Like, I've the first time you see him. Oh, yeah. You know he is planning to murder Hamlet from jump. <laughs> this is a thing that, again, I guess I'm just going to blame Laurence Olivier for. But so many people do productions of Hamlet as a play of grim inevitability. And God, it's boring if you do that. If you know this is all going to end in everybody dying five minutes into this play, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because then there's nothing to watch. You're just waiting for the mechanism to do its grim work and bring us to everyone dying. And there's no tragedy. Right. It's the same thing with Romeo and Juliet. If from, you know, the first moment that they touch hands and they have this very sexy, flirty scene and then they have the balcony scene and then they actually have sex... You know they're going to die. What's the tragedy? Yeah, this is the most intense and greatest love that has ever happened. And it's between two teenagers who have their entire life ahead of them. Oh my God, what a horrible tragedy that they die. Yeah. Instead, you're like, yeah, so uh, I'm just going to look at my watch until Act 5. <laughs> yeah, like the only thing that breaks up the monotony of waiting for the death parade of Act 5 in this movie is just how bonkers crazy all the Oedipal stuff gets in Act 3. And, like, that that isn't a great stopover on the path. No. It is just that that is at least something different. Like, it's at least something happening. Because otherwise, if this is a play about a man who cannot make up his mind, you're just waiting for him to make up his mind. Even Laurence Olivier is like, well, he's got to do something because this movie's two and a half hours long. (laughs) And apparently the something he decided on is wanting to bang his mom. That's basically the only thing that seems to rouse Hamlet out of his stupor in this movie. Is them kissing on the mouth. Oh, boy. I would say that the act three turned to extreme and literal edible shit. (laughs) Was at least, like you said, it was something was happening. But it was the point where I went from going, oh, I'm not really loving this to... I fucking hate this movie. Yes. But at least it evoked something from me other than, like, I'm bored. And I found that kind of weirdly freeing. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. I, I did feel free <laughs> to hate the movie after that. Because before that, there was this thing of, like, oh, what What if this is me just feeling like Hamlet is a much messier play than people usually credit it as? And what if this is Laurence Olivier? And what if this is just the, you know... Art! We're making art! Exclamation point. And then when that happened, it was just like, oh yeah, fuck this. Lawrence <laughs> sucks. I hate this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it goes so thoroughly off the rails that it's like, well, now I know what we're doing in a way, which is just chaos. Like everything has completely fallen apart. There's no real point in searching for meaning in this or searching for nuance in this because it's just a disaster. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that he cut Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and all of the political parts of it, so it really is just about Hamlet moping and wanting to make out with his mom for two and a half hours, does demonstrate that, one, I don't think he has any understanding of how the personal and the political play into one another and why that's actually really interesting, particularly in light of somebody who is a fucking prince, right? Yeah. Sure, the personal is political for everybody, but it really, really is for people who are princes. Yeah. Hell, we're seeing that shit play out right now with Harry and Meghan. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, it never ends. There is way less that actually depends on their family at this point. Whereas Hamlet and his family are the core of all of Danish politics at this point. Yeah. So that's sad that Laura's Olivia completely fucking missed that. But cutting Rosencrantz and Guildenstern means that he cuts all of the obvious humor, right? Mm -hmm. But he also can't deliver lines that are funny that he has kept in in a way that makes sense. Like, there's a line where he says, I would if she were ten times my mother. And the joke of that is, you know, that she has married his dad and then birthed him, so was his mother, and now again has become queen by marrying his uncle, so is again his father because he is the prince, so therefore whoever is in the position of being king is once again his dad. Yeah. And he just delivers it like, oh, I would do it if she were ten times my mother. I mean, the other end of the spectrum, but the exact same problem is this is madness, yet there is method in it, is just like, really? Because he's just delivering all this shit so fast the wordplay is completely gone. Yes, yes. He's delivering it as a manic episode and not as Hamlet being the cleverest guy in the room and outsmarting everybody into thinking that he's crazy. Which is the traditional interpretation of that scene. I think you're right to go like, hey, why don't we actually talk about like whether or not he actually has problems there. But traditionally, the point of that scene is that Hamlet is running circles around everybody else, and that's as good as pretending to be crazy. Well, and also, bipolar people can absolutely be clever and funny when they're in a manic episode. <laughs> sure. But it doesn't quite play like it whatever um that... no it doesn't play like he even knows what he's saying right Lawrence olivier is a decent film director a good actor and a terrible actor's director <laughs> and that includes directing himself but also other people i mean i cannot get over how fucking bad ophelia is and I blame him 100% because, yeah. because all of the shots and all of the framing of it, all of the aesthetic things around it support this terrible interpretation. So it's not just she's doing it in spite of what she was told to do. <laughs> I do have to say that reminded me because it's kind of the low point for Ophelia and the most obviously this is Laurence Olivier's fault thing is there is a reason that Ophelia relays the My Lord Hamlet, his doublet all undone speech instead of you physically seeing it as you do in this film. <laughs> because uh, watching Laurence Olivier act God, out I forgot about that. every so mad about step <laughs> of him coming in, showing that his shirt is undone, wandering over to her and then just slowly backing out of the room like he's trying to invent moonwalking is <laughs> unintentionally the funniest thing in this movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, it really is. Second to that though is Ophelia's death scene which again we see mm -hmm. narrated where she is lying in the river going, la, 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 la. <laughs> so bad. I always thought it was a joke just generally about Hamlet, but I now get that it is very specifically making fun of this movie 
when in The Simpsons, the entire Ophelia arc is Lisa jumping up on a table screaming, nobody out crazies Ophelia, jumping out a window and then running toward a pond. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> because in this movie, that is Ophelia's entire plot. She doesn't do anything else mm -hmm. in the play. She does a hell of a lot other than that. Yeah. What's always, to me, tragic about Ophelia is that she is basically being used as bait by her father and by Claudius. Mm -hmm. And no one is taking into consideration the emotional effects of being used as bait in this situation on a girl of 17 to 20. And they're all not doing it because they very specifically think she isn't smart enough to get what is going on. And she very specifically is right. smart enough to get what's going on, but not in this movie. Right, which makes the tragedy not there. And also doesn't make any sense why she just completely flips her shit and at one point is like wallowing on the stairs, reaching toward the camera and crying out like some sort of animal after the get thee to a nunnery scene oh, which she interacts with him multiple times after that so if she has had a complete fucking psychological break at this point why does it take anything else for her to get why does it take her father getting killed for her to totally break because she's already broken that scene sucks so much because Laurence olivier is so clearly more interested in setting up chekhov's curtain oh yeah in that scene than he is in what's happening to ophelia yeah oh absolutely <laughs> he is like yeah see this curtain might be important later not saying somebody's gonna hide behind it and get stabbed but a lot of people could hide behind this curtain and get stabbed. what's going on with ophelia yeah <laughs> Yeah, God, this, this movie sucks. <laughs> this movie is really bad. It's really bad. I went from being vaguely hopeful because, like I say, he can actually direct a movie now. Like, he in a way that he was not capable of on Henry V. Yes. He has grown by leaps and bounds as a film director to, oh, this is going to be one of those Hamlets, God, to, what the hell is this? Like, what is even happening? <laughs> Why is anyone doing anything? Yep. Nobody's motivation makes any sense except to get us to the next scene where Laurence Olivier can chew the goddamn scenery on the next soliloquy. And most of the time, he's not even actually doing that. It's like, oh, let me sit on a cliff with the waves crashing onto me while I do to be or not to be. Most of which, again, is in voiceover. Yeah. Which, like, kind of a cool setting. Could have really used something there. Didn't do anything with that. No. Boy, I hate this film. Yeah, I do too. It has so many individual interesting choices that are completely squandered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of the voiceover stuff with the ghost is actually deeply interesting. Doesn't match up with the weird edible interpretation of what's going on with the ghost of the rest of the movie but like it is actually kind of interesting to do the ghost as german expressionism yeah i actually liked the way they did the ghost and usually there is no way to do the ghost that i think works yeah if it's invisible and the audience can't see it it feels weird if it's not invisible every time i've seen it it looks hokey Except this kind of worked. Yeah. Especially with the face always being sort of shimmering in and out of being able to completely see it. Yeah. And the voice works. 
too bad that's one of the very few things that actually works in this. Right, and too bad that, like, in a lot of ways, the rest of the movie not only doesn't pick that up, but actively kind of undermines it. Like, there's a lot of interesting stuff in the ghost of making you kind of uncertain about the ghost, making you as the audience kind of think, like, now, is this... What's happening here? Why is everyone so insistent that they know what's going on here? Because this is just weird and hard to interpret. You do kind of have to read what you want into it a little bit, which is Hamlet's worry. Right. That the ghost is kind of telling him everything he wants to hear. Then the rest of the movie is like, yeah, but you'd have to be a fucking idiot not to listen to the ghost. Like, why doesn't he just stab the guy? And it's like, well, then why did you go to all the trouble of making the ghost, like, interestingly liminal right, and right, weird? exactly. Like, I... <laughs> so, uh, do we have anything else to complain about in this film? Or should we rate it? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Polonius is not great. Oh, I will say one thing positive about it. One more positive thing about it. Mm -hmm. I liked that they made... Horatio and Laertes much more handsome than Hamlet, mm. which I don't even know if that was necessarily a conscious choice so much as they cast Horatio and Laertes age appropriate and Hamlet is 40. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of like that idea. But the problem is it doesn't work with this interpretation of Hamlet, right? Like if Hamlet is not as good looking as his friends and peers but is the most charming one i love that yeah. i mean honestly i'm always like hamlet should be fat and bisexual <laughs> i'm and that's what i want i want like bisexual pierre from war and peace as my hamlet <laughs> honestly i would love that because it's turned into such a traditional leading man e part and i don't think it works very well as that I don't think it's particularly... It's not very interesting to see a really good-looking guy feel bad for four hours. R right. And, like, <laughs> even when a really good actor does it, I do kind of feel like, what the fuck do you have to complain about? You look like David Tennant. Like, everything's going to be fine. Right. Calm down. Or Kenneth Branagh. Right. Or, like... <laughs> or fucking Mel Gibson. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, let's rate this movie... Um, I'm going to give it a two because I'm bumping it up from a one for the cinematography choices that we talked about actually being pretty good. You know, I'm, hmm, I have a three in my head and I don't have a good argument for a three. So I'm fine with a two. Like, I think my argument for a three is it's Hamlet. Are we going to get in trouble? Like, I like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's go with a two. Yeah. I don't think the Shakespeare estate sues <laughs> people. Yeah. And don't. Don't watch this. Absolutely do not watch this. It fucking sucks. <laughs> as much as I do think that, like, Hamlet is just a very, very hard play and that I don't love any Hamlet I've ever seen, I've seen so many better Hamlets than this still. Kenneth Branagh, Hamlet, obviously way better than this. It's more of a time investment, but it won't feel like it, swear to God. And, like, I... Honestly, the Mel Gibson one's a lot better than this. Yeah, and I really don't like that <laughs> yeah, one. And it is better than this, which is sad. I actually like the Brenna one a lot. Watching this made me want to rewatch the Brenna one, but also it was the kind of thing where I went, oh my God, I just invested four hours of my life in this. Do I want to sit inside <laughs> and watch a four hour movie again? I, no. <laughs> I will say the Brenna one is one where I do think 
Now that scene is kind of weird in this production, instead of this where I go, now that entire character and this entire act just don't actually functionally have any reason to exist if this is your interpretation <laughs> of Hamlet. There's no reason to have Ophelia. There's not much reason to have Act 2. There's, like, arguably not much reason to have Act 4. Yeah. If this is what you're doing. Versus, I don't know, there's just some stuff around the mom and the Brano one that's still a little bit weird. Because I don't think he's got a great handle on her. But he certainly has a better handle on Hamlet's relationship to her than this movie does. Jesus Christ. Yeah. God, don't watch this. What do we do now that we're free? What's, what's, what is our life now? Next week, we are watching Johnny Belinda. Literally no idea what this is about. I, yeah. It is starring no one that I'm familiar with. Well, oh, well, Jane Wyman we've seen. I was about yeah. to say, we know Jane Wyman. Charles Pickford. Okay, there's like a few people. <sighs> yeah. The poster's a real roller coaster of terrible and great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to curse us by saying it couldn't be worse than this week, because God knows it could. <laughs> but I... Yes. Uh, yes, it could. I live in hope. Let us move forward into the future in hope. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so tune in next week to see if Johnny Belinda is better than Hamlet, a sentence <laughs> I never thought I would utter. <laughs> Just that, God, who was it? Was it Harold Bloom that wrote that like ranking of the greatest works of literature in history and put Hamlet as number one? And it's like, okay, okay, the entire list is exactly the same. Hamlet number one, Don Quixote number two, on down. But Johnny Belinda's now number one. We're just moving everything down one <laughs> slot <laughs> and, and putting it right at the top. Yeah. I feel like that's probably not going to happen, but <laughs> yes, but better than this Hamlet, probably likely, likely we'll say. Yeah. And until then, uh, this was a movie which was great. It just wasn't the play, which sucked. Ah, <laughs> uh, so true. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Fare well, at once. The glowworm shows the madden to be near and begins to pale his uneffectual fire. Adieu. 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 Remember.